me Play Mr. Guitar a happy melody We'll clap our hands and stamp our feet You keep making loud and keep the beat Play Mr. Guitar a pretty melody Six-String Hayride podcast, a journey through the world of classic country music with your hosts, Chris Wainscott and Jim O'Malley. We will be covering all of the great topics in country music, from mama to prison, to dancing, to drinking, to guitar picking, to all the crazy deal with the devil, honky-talking stuff you do on Saturday night, and how you try to get it past your Lord on Sunday morning. So climb aboard the cart and let's go. On this episode of Six String Hayride, a classic country music podcast, we're going to talk about a classic country musician and a classic country guitar. Known as Mr. Country Gentleman, Chet Atkins played his own signature model, Gretsch, also known as the Country Gentleman. So we're going to talk about the evolution of that guitar, the evolution of Chet the musician, and how these things come together. A guy with him by the name of uh, Jimmy Webster, who uh, promoted the guitars. He played that uh, touch system like Van Halen. And, and uh, so he used to come to me in Nashville and try to get me to play one of the guitars. I was playing a handmade D'Angelico. Now he said, I think he said, well, why don't you, we design a guitar together? And I said, okay. So we designed this one, and uh, I suggested the uh, the uh, metal bridge and later on we had a zero fret up here on some of them i don't know if we had it on the first one or not i guess we didn't they put all this uh, cactus and cows on there these new yorkers and europeans you say cowboy the first thing they think of is a cow so they put a cow or sagebrush or something and uh it uh and the brand they put that on and mr gretch chose that color uh we wanted something very different from anything anybody's putting out, and he chose that, and, and it was a great. And uh, so they uh, put it out for a while, and then the country general, of course, came later that George Harrison played and a lot of other people. But uh, they sold thousands, and I don't know how many thousands, but every kid in the country had one who was trying to play guitar, and people who are great players now, you know, like Jerry Reed. Mark Knopfler and people like that. And uh, this guy, Brian Seltzer, I still see him play, and he plays the heck out of it. You know, he's a great, great rock and roll player. Well, folks, we recently talked about Leo Fender and the Fender Telecaster, the first solid body electric guitar to go into successful mass production and really the iconic guitar in country music. The only other electric guitar of this era, and certainly when we start talking about rockabilly, the iconic guitar there is the Gretsch. And in large part, the 1950s through 1980 relationship with Chet Atkins as the face of the Gretsch Guitar Company.
the Gretsch company itself is something that begins in 1883 in Brooklyn, New York, by a young German immigrant named Frederick Gretsch. He comes to the United States and he starts manufacturing banjos and tambourines and drums. In 1916, his son, Fred Gretsch, moves into a much larger building in New York, and they get into making guitars. Uh, at this point, it's acoustic guitars, and they make ukuleles, and they're still making drums. Fred Gretsch and Chet Atkins joined forces in 1954. They have an amazing run for a little over a dozen years where Gretsch is really the standard in electric guitars. Uh, you have Chet Atkins, and then, of course, you have George Harrison. This is the first guitar, my first American guitar, that is, the first real decent guitar that I ever had, which I bought uh, in 1960. It cost me 75 pounds, and I bought it from a sailor in Liverpool who advertised it in a local newspaper. Anyway, he brought it back from America, and uh, I was looking to get a real nice guitar, and that's the one I bought at that time. And a lot of the British invasion bands that follow in the wake of the Beatles use Gretsch guitars. But in 1967, Fred Gretsch finds that there's no one in the family that wants to take over. There's no plan to succeed him, and he sells the Gretsch company to the Baldwin Piano Company. Again, this is 1967. And Baldwin, by the end of the 60s, they moved manufacturing from Brooklyn to Arkansas. Through the 70s, Gretsch is not as popular as they had been in the 50s and 60s. Chet Atkins designs a few models into the late 70s, most notably the Atkins Super Act, which is a big solid body, kind of bigger than a Les Paul, and it has active electronics built into it, a phaser and a compressor. Uh, today we're going to be talking about the 1977 Gretsch Chet Atkins Super Axe. So Jeff, is it a Super Axe? Are you digging it? It is very cool. So this is a, a large solid body guitar, so that helps with sustain. They went with humbuckers, which is totally strange. DiMarzio. Um, they were, yeah, DiMarzio, Japanese, I think, knockoffs um and, and uh, the badass bridge badass bridge which stock this is all completely stock a nine volt battery powering the uh powering the uh, the electronics into the early 80s baldwin as the parent company for gretch fails and goes bankrupt in 1980 chet atkins leaves gretch and goes to gibson so the company is bankrupt and really almost non-existent at this point in 1985, Fred Gretsch, the great-grandson of Frederick and the nephew of Fred Gretsch Jr., assumes the presidency of the company, and by the late 1980s, they are kicking out guitars again. Now, if you think of Gretsch now, you think of something that looks incredibly vintage and retro are the two words that come up a lot. But in the 1950s, these things were the most futuristic-looking guitars, certainly compared to the Telecaster. Brilliant as it is, it's a hunk of wood. 
The Les Paul, because of the paint job and the sunburst, it's a little splashier, but still not looking like I mean, a Gretsch looks like it arrived from outer space. In the mid 1950s, a Telecaster will set you back $189. Les Paul, $225. The original Chet Atkins model, the Gretsch 6120. In 1955, would set you back $385. So that's a little bit of the Gretsch company. We've talked about Chet Atkins quite a bit on this series. He is an extraordinary guitar player. He works a lot in radio in the 1940s. He makes a name for himself as an incredible guitar player. He's also learning and teaching himself a lot of radio skills, engineering, electronics work, broadcast work. And he winds up becoming a, a one of the premier producers during the Nashville RCA peak through the 50s and 60s. <laughs> In 1954, a guitar designer named Jimmy Webster, who works for Gretsch, is kind of the middleman between Fred Gretsch and Chet Atkins. The idea is that if you can get somebody like Chet Atkins to lend his design opinions to your guitar, then, you know, what could go wrong? And it is a great marriage made in guitar heaven. From 1955 to 1980, Atkins is affiliated with Gretsch. The original model is the 6120, which uh, there's already some of it up on our Facebook page. Please join us at Six String Hayride on Facebook. That big orange cowboy looking, just beauty of a guitar. It's got the Filtertron pickups, which is an innovation of the time. It's got the Bigsby vibrato bar, which is something that becomes a, a mark of the Gretsch guitars through this era. It is the beginning of a fantastic relationship between one of the all-time great guitar players and one of the great, most stylish guitar manufacturers ever. As we're talking Gretsch guitars, it's really easy to get into just how incredibly innovative and stylish they were. The extreme would be the White Falcon, which really one of the holy grails of electric guitars. But we're sticking to the relationship here with Chet Atkins. And again, it starts with the 6120 in 1955. We then get the 6119, which becomes known as the Tennessean, it's more of a darker wood, single cutaway, 
you'd see George Harrison with one in footage from the Shea Stadium concert in 1965. We also have my personal favorite, the 6122, the Chet Atkins Country Gentleman. Uh, if you've ever seen the Beatles Ed Sullivan footage, that big, beautiful brown hunk of wood that George Harrison has is a 1962 Chet Atkins Country Gentleman. There's also, later on in the 60s, a 12-string electric version that becomes associated with Mike Nesmith of the Monkees. Uh, two quick things about that. Nesmith remains an incredibly underrated songwriter, and we talk about him from time to time because of the quality of his songwriting in country music through the 1970s. But very often you still hear that old knock of fake did couldn't play his own instrument. If you're faking playing guitar, why do you strap on a electric Gretsch 12-string, which weighs probably twice as much as a Telecaster? You know, if you're faking it, go light. Uh, it's a gorgeous guitar, and the man really did a nice job on the 12-string. The Gretsch, Ted Atkins, we all know is mostly associated, though, with George Harrison. Uh, George was famous for the non-Chet Atkins Duo Jet 1962 model, but it's that 1962 country gentleman. When you listen to the guitar solo on All My Loving, you hear pure Chet Atkins influence on George, and you hear a sound that only a Chet Atkins Gretsch can make. <laughs> first big single after his relationship with Gretsch starts is a fantastic example of the sound of that original 6120. It's a hit single version of Mr. Sandman that just nails it. Uh, the technique, the way he plays with melody, brilliant. rockabilly era we get eddie cochran dick the augustine and the swingers featuring eddie cochran sometimes i wonder what i'm gonna do but there ain't no cure for the summertime blues. With a record machine When it comes to rockin' She's the queen Pull up the dance On a Saturday night Oh, no more I can hold her tight But she lives On the 20th floor of town 
the elevator's broken down. that girl and we'll go riding around. We'll look real sharp with a white drop down. I'll keep right on a dreaming and a thinking to myself. When it all comes true, man, wow, that's something else. We get Dwayne Eddy. And, of course, a guy we like to talk about a lot, uh, the great underdog of rockabilly guitar, Cliff Gallo. Through the 1960s, in country, we have Hank Garland. In rhythm and blues, we have Bo Diddley. We know all about George Harrison and the Gretches, Mike Nesmith and the Gretches. And then we get Pete Townsend on Who's Next in Quadrophenia, Gretch. Neil Young and Stephen Stills, probably through the 70s, the most visible and consistent Gretch guys. And then in the 1980s and through now, you have this wonderful rockabilly revival and a man in Brian Setzer who almost single-handedly brings Gretsch back into the spotlight it so deserves. Well, when I first heard a Gretsch guitar, really the first time is when I saw George Harrison holding one, and I saw that Gretsch name, and really, at that time, it was just um, synonymous with guitar, being that young. <clears throat> and then, whenever you crossed over the, the Williamsburg Bridge into Manhattan, there was the Gretsch building. It was kind of like the hometown guitar company, you know? And then, you know, later meeting Fred Gratch and the family, I realized that their family was pretty much from the same neighborhood as where my family came from originally. And later on, I discovered Eddie Cochran. And I just, you know, then I saw that Gretsch name again. <clears throat> and then uh, later on, when I could afford to buy other guitars, you know, tried out different, different kinds. And Gretsch was the sound I was looking for. You know, it was just that sound in between, you know, a Gibson and a, and a Fender. The Gretsch kind of was right in the middle there. It had the twang, and it could growl, like I just showed you. You know, it had that. So, um, yeah, that's always it's always been the guitar for me. It's what I grew up with, and uh, you know, it's very versatile. Uh, the Bigsby vibrato bar, the Filtertron pickups, the nice little cowboy stylings along the neck and the body. With the Country Gentleman, you had that big padded 
back on the back of the body so your jacket buttons on your beetle jacket wouldn't cut into the wood back in the early 60s. You have the perfect marriage between the most stylish guitar player of his era and the most stylish-looking guitars, to my taste, really, of any era. Uh, My love for these guitars goes back to when I had no idea what they were. But as a little kid, the first few times I would see reruns of A Hard Day's Night on TV or reruns of The Monkees, I would see a cool-looking guy with this huge brown thing that made a sound like no one's ever heard before. And as I got a little older and I sorted this out, I was like, okay, that's a Gretsch Country Gentleman. That's a Gretsch Electric 12-string. Ah, Fed Atkins. And as Chris is still right to mention sometimes, you find out something you're really into and then take a few steps backwards and see where it comes from and how it got to the point that you fell in love with it And this is the journey you're going to go on. This is what you're going to find. And it took me quite a while uh, into my adult years before I got one. But I did get my hands on a mid-70s country gentleman. It is fantastic. If you see our little promotional photo for the podcast, that's it. And uh, I could play it as well as it deserves. But it's a hell of a wonderful thing to have. And again, Ted Atkins, Gretsch, Marriage and Guitar have. You know, a record we've talked about here on the Hayride before was the record of Gene Vincent songs that Jeff Beck actually did as a tribute to uh, Cliff Gallup, Gene Vincent's incredible guitar player. And uh, the album is called Crazy Legs, for anyone who may not remember from the prior episode. And on that recording, Beck actually goes out and gets a 62 duo jet because he's trying to mimic as exactly as he can the tones and sounds that you hear uh, Cliff Gallup playing. Another man who actually used the same guitar was George Harrison, who acquired his around the same time and played it all the way through cloud nine, which was the Harrison album. That was kind of his comeback. That was released in 1987. So these guitars, you know, like a lot of other things we've talked about here on the Hayride, they they manage to not only stick in these little niches, but they go out into the masses in other genres of music and they really 
you know, they bring a lot of joy to a lot of people. We talk a lot about Chad Atkins' influence on George Harrison. In a recent episode, we talked about the iconic Fender Telecaster. Today, it's the iconic relationship between Gretsch and Chad Atkins. There is one guitar player in all of music, uh, and he plays rock. He plays rockabilly. He plays country. It's probably the most underrated slide guitarist out there. The only guitar player to have a signature model Gretsch. It's a replica of the 62 Duo Jet and a signature Telecaster. Signature model Tele, signature model Gretsch. He's the only one that can lay claim to that. I think that's pretty cool. I think it's a wonderful testament to Leo Fender and to Chet Atkins and to Fred Gretsch. And all that winds up in the hands of a kid from Liverpool who really loves country music and Carl Perkins and Buddy Holly. And the rest is history, as they say. You know, something else we should mention is that during his lifetime, uh, later on in life, Chet essentially invented an award. He called it the Certified Guitar Player, and he bestowed this award upon himself and four other gentlemen. Tommy Emanuel. John Knowles, Steve Warner, and Jerry Reed. Now, when you have a musician the caliber of Chet Atkins, who's telling you that you are a certified guitar player and essentially putting you in the league with himself, you know, that says a lot. And, you know, these guys are amazingly versatile musicians. Uh, Ten years after Chet's death, his daughter actually awarded one more certified guitar player award to Chet's longtime sideman, Paul Yandel. Uh, it was then announced that no additional awards would ever be given. So it's probably the rarest award in all of music. There might not be a bigger honor that can be bestowed on a, on a musician than to be called a certified guitar player 
by Mr. Country Gentleman himself. Jim played a clip of Mr. Sandman earlier, and I think we should take a listen to a little bit more because when you listen to Chet play, just how cleanly he hits these notes and how fluid everything sounds, you just it's proof you don't need a vocalist when you have the right person you know, at the frets. Something we've talked about before here on the Hayride is how in 1949, Maybell Carter and the Carter sisters went across the border to play at XERA, one of the border, so-called border blaster stations, which actually kicked out 500,000 watts. Uh, you could hear them literally coast to coast. And making his appearance with them was Chet Atkins. You ease over to that other microphone and maybe get with Chet and the boys and play some of that uh, wildwood flower for us? Jackson, we've sure enjoyed having you. Would you all come back to see us again someday? You would? You too, Chester. Thank you very much. It's been wonderful. And you folks, don't forget to join us. We've enjoyed having you aboard. Come back to see us again next week when we'll be bringing another big show on Grand Ole Opry. Bye-bye, everybody. at the end of the 1940s chet is playing with maybell carter on a regular basis he's listening to a lot of merle travis these are the two big influences on him as he really enters into that great period in the 50s in Well, listeners, we've been commenting on the style and certainly that unique Western style, uh, the Gretsch guitars, 
We have an appropriate drink today from the John Wayne Cocktail Guide. This is a tequila drink called the Cactus Chaser. Chris, pour one out for us. Can't you hold that glass still? Uh, of course, sir. Now, down the hatch to my world's record. Down the hatch. Yes, sir. Cactus Chaser. Of course, when you watch his films, there's times when John Wayne can be kind of a gruff and prickly character. Here, though, the Cactus Rose also becomes a symbol, as it is in the movie The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. The love interest in that one, Vera Miles, has a soft spot for the blooms. So let's toast the cactus with this drink. For this one, you're going to need one and a half ounces of tequila, a half ounce of fresh lime juice, three ounces of aloe drink, two dashes of orange bitters, and a lime wheel for garnish. Shake the ingredients with ice and strain into a highball glass filled with ice. Folks, I would say you really can't go wrong if you use Don Julio tequila. I'm going to recommend Don Julio right here on the podcast. Not going to pretend like I'm a huge tequila guy, but that is the smoothest tequila I have ever drank in my life, and it's relatively affordable. As always, we'd like to remind you to email us at sixstringhayride at yahoo.com. Six is spelled out. You can also search us uh, on Facebook as Six String Hayride. Or what we'd really appreciate you doing is finding us on Patreon under Six String Hayride as well. So Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Six String Hayride. Again, six is spelled out. And of course, listeners, when you're emailing us, since we're giving you drink recipes on these mini rides, we'd really enjoy it if you'd give us your idea of how to create a six-string hayride drinking game. What phrase do we say too much or too often or just enough that you think should be your cue to drink and hopefully not die? Well, folks, thanks again for joining your hosts, Chris Wainscott and Jim O'Malley on the six-string hayride classic country podcast we are here for all of your classic country rockabilly early rock and roll little gospel little blues a lot of excellent country music themed recipes and basically we are here to keep your musical circle rocking bopping and very much unbroken so thank you for sticking with us. We will see you down the road real soon. And again, whether it's in your home, in your community, wherever it is you do your thing, keep your circle unbroken. Stay well, stay safe, and we'll see you real soon. Oh, can the circle be unbroken by and by, Lord, by and by? There's a bitter home away. I'm gonna join the family circle at the throne No, the circle 
Remember, the Force will be with you, always.